eyes light up and um, she doesn't say anything, but essentially all of these crates start arriving. She sends a letter back and crates start arriving and she prepares a feast with all of these crates of the most delectable food. Um, and I'm sure, well, look, for somebody who's not a, a meat eater, it would probably not be thrilling, but all of the detail that she puts into the preparation for this incredible meal is documented sumptuously in this film. And then it's, it, you don't know why she's creating this feast. All that you know is that she's invited a lot of people who've ignored her and treated really badly to this feast. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually they come very suspiciously. And in fact, when they look at the way she's prepared um, things like quail, they think they've never eaten food this glorious in their lives before, so they have no idea, and they think it's evil. Wow. So their their way of, man, of of understanding, I mean, huge amounts of this evidence. Is this chocolate? No, this is this is Babette's this feast. Is the same scene. Oh, is it right? Indeed, you're probably right, and I'm sure that there was a, a, a theme that almost an archetype went through. Anyway, she prepares this meal, and they are so suspicious, and some of them are not even eating it properly, and they think it's the devil's food and all kinds of things. And then slowly as they go through, and there's like several courses that she's created, and you realize, I mean, as a viewer looking, this woman is no, she's no slouch. She's extraordinary as a chef. You look at the way she prepares the food, you suddenly realize she's no servant. Mm. She's something extraordinary. And then as this humble group of people start eating their way through, and they start tasting a bit more, and it's like they're astonished. It's like... Mm. You know, the one tries something eventually, and another one kind of offers it. And it slowly starts going around. And after a while, their eyes start to shine, and she's got this amazing wine, and they sip the wine, and they're drinking the wine, and they start to laugh. And you don't hear laughter throughout the whole movie until wow. the scene. And at the end, they walk out arm in arm, a whole group, and they walk out just under the stars, and they, they're singing a song together. And there's something extraordinary that we're aware of that's happened. We just... Don't know quite what it is, and you then you realize right at the end that this person is not a humble person at all. They, they were the one of the owners of one of the top Parisian restaurants, but her gratitude for just being put up and not being thrown out or left or ignored or sure. left mm -hmm. is so profound that this is the only way that she can show them love and thanks for nothing. They've treated shittily, mm -hmm. and yet such as this thing, but it's the energy that transforms. Mm -hmm. And you left just with this, you don't know what happens the next day, they've forgotten it or whatever. But that brief moment is one of this grail cup. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you say it's, it's almost an archetype, isn't it? All these films around, and also in like um, Midnight's Children, Salman Rushdie, the, have you read that book? I've not read it, I'm aware of it. It's also, you know, the themes of food. And um, like I'm a huge believer in you know the energetic nature of, of food and how we prepare it, but also energetic nature of certain foods and things. Um, but yeah, so it's a maybe I'm an archetype. <laughs> well, I've looked at your food and I've tasted. I was eating my way through it, going, "Hmm, it's of lemon zest." Mmm, zesty. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. But I do believe that it's, it's, it's in those simple acts that you can transform, um, yeah, you know, through, through humility and, and through feeding. You spoke, we spoke about that blue line.
of this potential. What's also interesting, and it's again, it's a Rumi poem, because I've just been thinking about Rumi a lot. Mm. But he's got a, a, a poem, it's just called, and this is written in the 12th century, the heart of the Dark Ages, really. And if you look at the art of that era, it was all dark, there were no blues. Unicorns spearing and killing other creatures and being killed. It's really grim. And here you've got this shining light coming through this, this Muslim mystic, really. I mean, and it's, it's bright and bright and bright. And he says, there's one thing in this world you must never forget. If you remember everything else and forget this, you'll do nothing with your life. If you remember this one thing, you'll be fine. He said, and then he goes through several metaphors. It's as if a king sent you from a foreign country to do one task and you perform a hundred other tasks, but not the one you were sent for. Um, and, he, and then he uses the idea. He says, it's, it's as if a priceless Indian sword with jewels is driven into the wall to hang spoons on. <laughs> when, when a single jewel could buy hundreds of nails that could do the same job. He said, and goes on a little bit on that, and then just says, so each of us come with a particular purpose. And, and, and to not recognize that is to forget your dignity and your, and your reason for being. And what's interesting is we've all got something, you know, it's amazing. I bring certain something and then I go completely blank in another area, which mm. is then carried mm. by you, you know, or someone or yourself yeah. or you. And that's where the community mm. bit comes in. And then when you realize that, you get, you only need, I don't know, between, I guess, seven and ten people, and you've got this formidable combination. I was, just, like, a mate of mine reached out to me this morning, struggling with something. And I just think all of the vices which we can get caught in um, are, are potential solutions to problems. Um, something that we got from Peter Rollins. Um, when someone is an alcoholic, the, the, the alcoholism is not a problem, it's, it's a solution. It started as so, a solution. So what, what, what is the real problem to which the alcohol is the solution? And so in that context, it's almost like the ultimate problem to which all these vices are the solution is purposelessness. Is that sense of, I'm bored, I, I actually don't, I'm not interested, I'm not excited, I'm listless. disconnected. Yes, exactly. And it's some of this incredible vitality and energy and passion that comes from the knowledge of your purpose lived out, yeah, that deep connection that then sort of makes all those lesser things which can be exciting just sort of um, pale, really. Yeah. And this is where, and you know, we've lost it so much in society, there's initiation and, and the guru and the, you know, the teacher and without that, you know, you do have this disconnectedness. Mm. Instead of being led, and you, so you get more and more lost in those external, you know, places that we search for, for meaning, meaning or for yeah. numbing, or for yeah. you know, like you know, looking without rather than within. It's so profound to reframe people's problems mm. as uh, not a problem, essentially. And, not a direct thing to be solved. Um, I guess indicator. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a signpost, um, a cry for help. Uh, um, actually, a positive route with a negative, like shoot or whatever. And you even take things like altered states, which is let's say alcohol or even drugs. 
you actually look at whether the domain of it, it's the, it's the divine, domain of the altered state. Mm. Um, people who come back from acid trips and this kind of thing suddenly realize that they're one with mm. things. The, 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 the uh, absolute arbitrariness of boundaries. That, that mm. they, that they can, and so they go into this domain, but they go in without, without the mentors. Mm. So the good, mm. the people who go into altered states, and I mean that's an archetype, mm. shamanic ar archetype, the witch doctor, mm. it's there in the Bushman, mm. extraordinary, extraordinary wisdom. Um, even going back to the people who were hunted down as witches and killed. Mm. Um, the ability to go into altered state, and it's and it's very if it's properly done, it's done with a with a, a what's the right word a mentor a guide a guide a guide who has got the understanding that when you go in there you go in there for either the wisdom of the community you go in there into the altered state, but like Moses on top of the hilltop, you go there for the purpose of the people that you're serving either to heal or to get the wisdom. And if it's done in that place, and if it's done with the guidance, because I understand that when you go into the altered states, and there are certain frequencies, and this is archetypal, you can, we can all go into the altered state, 120 beats a minute, um, preferably with some of the high-end, some of the shaker-type notes hit. Um, and there are certain drugs that can do this, uh, ayahuasca, the, some of the people who do this. Um, they go into a state, and it's interesting, it's a navigable state. They can actually, the, the, the elder, whoever it is, male or female, can say, did you see these certain things? And goes, well, how did you know that? Oh, no, I was there with you, you know, or I've been there before, you know, you go to the right of those things there, and you see these, and there are, there, are, there are winged beings, you know, griffins, but they're not frightening if you understand them not to be frightening. Mm. Um, crystals, interestingly, are the same in that altered state as they are in this state, which I was very curious about that. Mm. Um, but anyway, without going into the long and short of it, is that is that you get a young person going in and they get dragged out and wow, this is really cool, but without the understanding that it's in service of something greater that that's intended. Mm. Loses the depth somehow. But the but the part of them that's divine will recognise. Hang on, there's something very important mm. here. Um, it can be used to numb out. It's true, but very often it's with great amazement. It's like wow, you know, I'm with you. You know, I'm one with you. Mm. Without the without the, the rooting rootedness of it. Mm. So for you to be able to uh, redeem and reframe things, you know, because you've been brought up a certain way, and some of that can be quite destructive in mm. terms of the outcome. Mm. A lot of confusion mixed in that. You know, and you're mm. speaking earlier about um, you know how your day was changed with those guys. Mm. Just going back to that, um, that's you. <laughs> that's you. Um, and, yeah, it's so beautiful where you look at, you know, serving and what we call sacrifice, you know, it's always shone in a negative light or a cringe mentality, but it's actually the most beautiful thing and it's the most natural byproduct of love. Um, and for me, like, I find it so beautiful to just be able to reframe that way of being where, um, yeah, where that's completely changed because there's so much that we've looked at in a negative light that's actually you know good and beautiful. Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, just uh, serving for one. Um, you speak about how it changed your day um, by changing their day. It's, it's you know it's so profound. You know, scripture says you know it's more blessed to give than to receive, but it's a it's a two-way thing. It's a transaction. And for me, it's so funny. Like we'll go to hospitals and um, you know um, love on people there. And some days you are so tired and, you know, 
maybe not in the mood at all because you've just been staring at a screen all day or maybe you've been interacting with people I and mean, you guys are not psyched. Um, and you're just like, oh, should I go, shouldn't I go, whatever, just because, you know, you're really tired and guaranteed every time you walk out there encouraged, even though people are just like, you know, overwhelmed by what you've sowed into them, you never leave tired. And I think if you are, you're obviously not giving of a higher being, you know, you're maybe giving of yourself separate from God, you know, you're trying to, I guess, make things work. So for me, it's so profound, you know, people are just like, keep doing it, don't ever stop, it's so amazing. And they're like, other people are like, we're so amazed that you're here, you know, you could be anywhere. I'm like, yeah, I know, well, why would I want to be anywhere else, you know? They're like, you could be out uh, drinking, out gadget watching media. I'm like, I know, well, why would I want to be doing those things, you know? I'm here with you, I'm obviously here for a reason. It's just funny to see that thought pattern. I mean, it, it's awesome that they're awakening to that, but it's also sad that that's ingrained to them that I'm doing something that's sacrificial. I could be doing something else. Of course I could, but I've made a decision and... This is blessing me as much, if not more, in some cases, as you know the people I'm in contact with. I mean, you all know with your line of work, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's just I get that all the time. You're like, why are you doing this? Some people are just like blown away. You just have that look of confusion, but fascination, mm-hmm. you know. So she's like, so you actually come out of your own town to pray for people and spend time with people. I said, yeah. She says, are you Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> to which you reply with that. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you are my disciple. You <laughs> know, <laughs> 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 We need an epic theme tune to go with that. You know, don't you? <laughs> but there is an element of, of, of elevation when people elevate you weird. It's almost like, it's just t- time that is almost wasted in a sense. Even though it's an opportunity for them to honor you, which you know you really don't feel that you need, which, which you don't, because that's not why you're doing it. It's almost like it can be a bit awkward, you know? Um, I don't know, it's just, as I said, it should be normal people laying down their life for other people because that is the picture of love, you know. The Bible says there's no greater form of love than for one to lay down his life for his brother than his friend. We live in a society that's continually telling us to put ourselves first. first yeah. And how often do you listen to people who are like, you know, like when you talk about, okay, so here's a off subject, but, you know, talking about paying people a living wage, like your cleaner. And, and it's astounding to me that people quite happily spend on a meal more than they're willing to pay mm. someone for a day's yeah. work. Yeah. Mm. And their response is, but it's my money. Mm. To, and I'm like, you, but how warped is your value mm. of things that, you know, this person's livelihood means less to you than your, than your momentary entertainment, yeah. Thing, you know, and, and that's the society that we live in, where it's like, but it's mine and I've worked hard for it. Well, yeah. she kind of worked hard for it. She definitely worked hard And we have such a warped sense of yeah. value. Yeah, like, we don't value, yeah. like, especially, you know, in this country, yeah. uh, it's, it's, that's exactly, you know, that disconnectedness again mm. from, like, we now, you know, we don't live in communities, we don't know our neighbours, we, mm. you know, we, we're separate. Mm. I guess my frustration is is that exactly in that, you know, I'm exposed to just pe- people that have some kind of understanding where, where, you know, we are valuable and this is just an extension of a personality mm. and they don't make a big, you know, hoo-ha about it. And I guess I kind of hope that the world would be all, I know it's going to be, but, you know, further along in its understanding of just their value, you know, because it irritates me not 
not that I'm irritated with you, but I'm irritated with the lie that, that you're believing that would rob you of your awareness of your value. I, I guess that's what I'm putting. Because if they knew their value, they wouldn't be as surprised that I'm there sacrificing maybe an entire mm. hour just for that one person yeah. in that bed, you know? Because okay. for me, it's like, it's a no-brainer. They're like, but you could be paying for the other people. And I'm like, I know, but I'm here now with you because this is where I'm meant to be. You know, and that just blows your mind. And that's cool because that's obviously them awakening to, to God's love for them. And there's a huge transaction that's occurring in that moment. And, and I have no problem with that. But, you know, I, I guess for me, the only frustration is I just wish there was a quicker process. But then again, I also understand that, you know, it's not necessarily done from a pulpit at an auditorium. A lot of the time, what really captivates people and transforms them is where they, they feel that um, tangible presence of God on them in that moment. Because, you know, you've told me what love is, but I've seen it now and I can't deny it. And I'm overwhelmed, overjoyed. And I can't go back to that way of thinking because of what I've experienced, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost like maybe it's designed like that where, you know, it's, it's in small groups. It's one on one. It's, you know, there's profound mm-hmm. moments that really shape people. I mean, I've, I've had those moments recently with myself where I'm just like, wow, you know, God, you are so big. You are love for me. I can't even try to process it in this one act that someone's done for me in, in one moment. It has to be over time. Otherwise, it's just, you know, made of problems. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, (laughs) I think connectedness, inclusion and oneness and and all this kind of of thinking and speaking of which we're doing um, obviously wasn't taught to us uh, by the larger players um, like education and social norms and systems and things like that. But as soon as people start interacting with this kind of language and um, understanding what I found for myself is that actually to serve others is actually the most selfish thing I can do because it's so epic mm. because I'm serving my true yeah. self by serving others because mm. I actually get more joy yeah. um, out of like like a, a small example my dogs love going for their walk every afternoon so they'll always I come and call me and like wait for me and then get all excited and their excitement brings me excitement mm. and then when I mm. take them for a walk even if I don't want to go for the walk you know, like just them, like running around, doing mm. stuff and being wild and free is just a, an extension of my joy. Mm. So I'm tapping into like these other life forms running around going crazy of which I think I'm taking them for a walk. But all they're doing is revealing the joy of which I already have just mm. within serving them. So it, it's it's now becomes it's not the, the economy of scarcity, I think, is we what we've been taught um, mm. with all these systems. So that's mm. why mm. selfishness is, like, well, I worked for this. This is mine. Mm. This is what I've got. I've got to hold on. I've got to keep it. Like, mm. I that's can't why, share because there isn't enough to go around. Mm. And all these great prophets and, and people, Jesus, you know, Rumi, all these amazing okay. people came along and, and spoke of this thing of like sharing and flow and fluidity and passing through. And like it's... Yo, it's, it's, it's beautiful when you start to... So, so in fact, it's an act of selfishness to be helpful and kind to others. Mm. So in fact, if one's truly wanting to be... Um, find the right way, I was, this, was, this was me playing with this idea. That in fact, one shouldn't be kind at all. Because it's actually just being selfish to be kind. <laughs> well, this is a cool thing. By saying these words, we, we start getting rid of the cultural understanding yeah, of them. Exactly. And they take on their true meaning. Yeah, nicely put. To where we're no longer thinking uh, in the context of right and wrong or sin and evil, good and... 
but um, truth and light and kind of there's unexplainable a, things. There's a lovely uh, theorist called Kohlberg, I vaguely recall going back many years, but Kohlberg spoke about seven steps um, into a true self form of ethics. So from a point of literally, I and it, and it, and I remember it being a cartoon actually, starting with a with a child saying or a, a person saying no I won't do this because if I do I get punished, okay and it goes through um, to a phase that sounds that kind of you can imagine it moving this direction, somewhere along the line where he's saying well I'm I'm doing it because um, I know I'll get fined out, um, and then I won't feel good about myself if that happens. Uh, because others are going to blame me and people won't like me. Then it goes to a phase that's something like, um, I, would, I, I, I won't do this because I wouldn't like how it felt if it happened to me. Mm, very good. And then there comes a certain stage where I do this and it, and it, and it goes into a domain of unconditionality mm. because, I'm, because I'm, part of the, I'm part of humanity mm. or I'm part of this person. Love that. And, but it's... It's almost, you can get a sense of getting stuck, and it might even be stuck in different situations. I know that there are parts of me that can still be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, but I, can, I like the idea that we can, through playing and shaking a little bit, get to the point where it's more core, I'm doing this because I'm actually feeling fucking selfish, mm. and that's all that I care about right now. But at least it's like an honest thing, yes. mm -hmm. rather than it's like Even some kind of a self-deceit. Sometimes that honesty allows you to discover that's not really what you want. Yeah. yeah. And other times I know that I'll put in a boundary and I know, and I'll do it, I'll do it kindly, but very clearly that there's a boundary and I won't play. Mm -hmm. Just as, as thinking of another time that I've been at the same field, where I just said, Jay, it's you and me today. I'm not going to put a line, I'm not going to bring this, these people in. Can I just ask before you carry on, um, when you're speaking about those different sections, where was that from? Kohlberg, K-O-H-L-B-E-R-G, and it's in the, and it's, uh, obviously I, I come with a psychological kind of pair of eyes, I love it. but it's, it's issue, it is useful, and Kohlberg's focus was on the development of an, an ethical system. Okay. Um, mm. and, he, and he said it's there, and it naturally, in fact he said it will grow. It, 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 it will grow in its own accord, it, uh, and this is now bringing in, in Rogers, where if a person has an opportunity to hear himself think or herself think, um, as it pings out and pings back, it, it, just by nature of itself, it refines. It goes through these layers by itself. Mm. Wow. There's a fabulous chapter in, uh, in this yes. chapter, Rogers called, uh, and it was one of his last. My father worked with Carl Rogers, I couldn't mm. believe it. Wow. I was abandoned very early, and it, it, I say this half jokingly and half sincerely, at the age of eight months, my dad was overseas and working with Carl Rogers, and my mom honestly didn't think he was going to come back, sure. which is very paradoxical. So she ended up going to him when I was eight months old for a month. So I had no mother during that time, mm. and it, it's one of the reasons why my, my eldest brother is very important to me, but he kind of was carried, he was 11 years old, and wow. he... he did his best to try and make sure that I had, I so had some consistency. Essentially, mm -hmm. hey, yeah, he was changing me. And if, there was a carer, but I didn't know, and she apparently wasn't very good with me. And that's kind of whole history on its own. But what's interesting is that, that the work that Rogers was doing was extraordinary. He noticed that there is an imperative, there's this potential, it's that blue thing. Mm. 
around us psychologically and he said all you need is a space to hear yourself think and an environment which he says summarized really congruence empathy and warmth mm. and he said in that space he says people transform and he takes excerpts in this book this amazing book on becoming a person and, and gives these small excerpts of what it sounds like initially in almost phase one and then as it's over, you know, and this is probably over months, this is one of a very compelling good reason for having a mentor or some person of wisdom who you can ping off. And as you ping, so profound, this. As you ping mm -hmm. off them, he says you become something. He says it's becoming a person. Oh my word. But with a capital S self. Um, wow. And then as, and, and, and by the, at a certain stage, you just hear this, it's just like a, an advanced soul that's coming through. Not everybody, of course, is prepared to do that. And not everyone will go that far with it. My sense is that there's a certain point of awareness where you think, like that chickpea, I can't do this alone. You've got to, you've got to hit me some more. Saying, it's, it's a roomy poem, chickpea to chef. He says, I can't do this alone. You've got to hit me some more. <laughs> chickpea, because initially he's saying, why are you hitting me like this? It's sore. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> and, and the chef says, I'm doing it to, to, to mix you with herbs and spices and give you flavor. And he says, right at the end of this very erotic poem, middle section, hugely erotic, <laughs> last part, <laughs> sexuality, right, sexuality, <laughs> spirituality and sexuality are like, just like the Dalai Lama said to me. And then right at the end wow. he, says, um, he says, hit me some more, I can't do this alone. And he said, "That's when. That's when it's something extraordinary happens." Mm. Yeah. I love that. Mm. The space you described mm. that that becomes the conditions for anyone to really discover whatever. Uh, it's it, you like you define for me uh, this kind of space that I want to create for people around me. Was it warmth, congruence, and empathy? Sure. That's so powerful. It's even and, a shoe. And, and what I love about it... If you put a C and an E and a W, you've got it in the word shoe. Congress, sure. empathy and warmth. Shoe. <laughs> but put a C in it. Cong shoe, E, empathy, W, warmth. Shoe. shoe. That's <laughs> a good way to remember it. Shoe. With a lot of that, I find motive quite huge in, in, in those different stages you mentioned, you know, where you eventually get to the point where you know, you're going beyond uh, reasoning and it becomes, you know, who you are. And for me, that's, that's so fascinating. And as I say, I, I never want to love someone or be loved out of um, a form of obligation mm -hmm. as opposed to love, the nature of love, which, you know, cannot be stopped, you know, mm -hmm. cannot be quenched. Mm -hmm. So for me, obviously, you, the irony is you, you don't and you can't try become that, but you just, I guess, put more faith in your creator that that is your um, inherent way of being. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously there's a journey to be walked out and sometimes having the space and actually taking the fall, whatever it may be, but it's so beautiful and fascinating to actually recognize that progression and, and that's who you're becoming in your mind, but it is, you know, who you've become essentially, you know, just growing into our shoes. Yeah. to the blueprint hey? yeah. and the other thing is for me it's important to know that sometimes I can't be kind or I won't be kind mm -hmm. and it's just, just knowing that I can be like that and when I say not kind um, that I can say no it's mm -hmm. not, not, I can say it kindly 
Yes. So I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to play. Oh, I'll say to Jason. And I'm aware that there's the invitation. I'm just thinking of that play environment because yeah. it's been it's mm. happened many times. I just said, mm -mm, not today, Jay. Mm. Um, and it can, it can come from a place of just holding myself together. If I'm, mm. if I'm low or low on energy or I just need to connect with him. Um, but it's, it's important that I can do that. Mm. It means that it, me it means more than when I say, hey, come join us. It's so mm. cool. It means that it's got, it's been shaken, it's not being done out of an obligation. Because mm. mm. it's true, there's, there's always a choice because, yeah. you know, I'm not loving you because there's no choice. You're feeling my love for you because there is a choice that I exactly. have. Exactly, you know? and I think that choice is key. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. beautiful. And because also there's self-love. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to love Fold. yourself first. You've got a full yeah. cup. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So thing you know, your service, like Sacrifice, uh, well, you know, service. We, I mean, if I'm serving myself in some way that is deeply uh, enriching to myself, even if, it's, even if it's the exclusion of others, I am also part of the one. Mm. And so I'm in serving myself, I am serving the one. Mm. Receiving is giving, but the recipient is you. It's awesome. I like that. It's a thought so word. Often we, we can. We can perhaps forget ourselves in service mm. and then people they actually diminish and run themselves dry mm. and then they they look to be filled by others because they've overextended mm. themselves and they're not so not taking time to commune and receive mm. uh, from within mm. that's good and I feel there again motive can also be a result of you know that being quenched totally mm. but yeah, yeah. yeah what you're saying mm. The whole thing you were talking about earlier, where we have, we not have to, where we do um, see ourselves as projected out, and then we, you know, so you can remain. What did you say? Remain? No, you, maybe you didn't even say remain. You just when, when we talk, was it, we're talking about art. Your and friend then that lost art. herself and said she was God. Yes. And you're yeah. explaining the consciousness. Yes. To maybe our remaining intact with yourself, or have a grasp of yourself. Yeah. Is that the Please words or? Yeah. Yes, you were saying you I said that, that it's important because we, if we get embedded in our lives and take our lives very seriously as if this is the only reality, um, that it's an unhealthy direction. In other words, we lose our perspective of two other perspectives. Mm. Um, so one of them was within my body looking out at all of you mm. and suddenly, oh, I'm looking through your glasses looking at me, mm. touching my beard mm. um, with, with that and suddenly I'm in your shoes. Mm. And I'm a photographer, okay? So that's the second position. That's the domain of compassion. And the third one is the domain of perspective, which is a third, almost like a fly on the wall, looking at us, the top of our heads. Mm. And, and art does this. A good photograph does it. I mean, there's, there's a friend of ours who, who did that extraordinary. Suddenly, we see, we see that beach scene. And from that perspective, suddenly, I value, because that looks like an amazingly idyllic thing, I suddenly see this place differently. Because as I see it out there, I can see it with a kind of almost strategic perspective. I can say, wow, that's something I want more in my life, and there's something solitary about it. Hey, but it's right here. So I get an insight. So that third perspective is very important. So somebody came the other day who'd been held up with a gun. And uh, they kept playing it out in the first position, as we all do, it's post-traumatic stress. Mm. Over and over again, they keep seeing the thing, they hear the words. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that I do is I get them to see themselves on a the screen. And it's being filmed. Sure. 
by someone like you. It's been filmed, mm-hmm. and there they are on the screen, and the gun's not being pointed at them, it's being pointed at the person who's in the movie, mm-hmm. up there on the, on the screen. Um, and, then I, and then we start interfering with the memory. We start, we make it black and white, and then we play it backwards. And then and when the voice is saying, put your bloody hands up or I'll kill you, it's Mickey Mouse going, what's up, duck? You know, or Daffy Duck. So you interfere with the memory. And what's interesting, as soon as it's at that level, it's perspectivizable. You can get perspective on it. And in fact, there's that, this healing that can take place. So when you were talking, at the point that I was making, she was fully, in her body, thinking, I am Jesus. So it's not like, who's this person who thinks she, she's Jesus? She's lost that perspective. Mm. Um, and that's it's one of the reasons why I so love arts. It's why you find me at Gramstein each year. Mm. Because in those arts, I suddenly see things, in fact, with multiple perspectives. I mean, even the movie the other day, we had a lot of overlap, but different ways of certain things, that different things that we understood differently. And I'd never thought of Lolita as anything other than the book on child molestation until mm. I saw her fan- you, yeah. fantastic little synopsis of it and how she felt. And beautiful. Mm. So it's the point of healing. And it's why art can be so amazing. Our drama and art and good movies can heal. Because mm. mm. they see themselves with perspective. They're no longer in, in their first perspective. Mm. They're able to process it, mm. see it differently, play with it. Playing yes. is so good. Mm. It's a fantastic way of... Mm. I almost always, if someone's got an edge, because all change happens across a boundary. So you push the boundary a little bit and it changes stuff and you can force it and there'll always be resistance so you just you play with it you go hey what would happen if this was to happen you know what happens if you tried this thing and they go wow you know I've never thought of that before oh, I'll be a bit scared oh, why don't we try it what would be a cool way of doing it you go across the boundary and suddenly there's this different reality through the perspective mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's good mm. the invisible boundary gets broached and we've got boundaries all around us, and there are many of them are arbitrary. Some so, of so, them. so this is something I wanted to say earlier, that, that one of the most profound realizations for me, if I was to answer my own question... Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you really want to do. It's a long way to come back with. <laughs> straight left. It really is. I, I, I literally had no intention of it. But, but no, I want you now. So, it's so, um, the best part. <laughs> you only need rules for being good if you are bad. And so it's a fundamental shift uh, in my expectation of people, instead of to be, let's just use the word evil, to be good and to ultimately reflect their divine nature. Um, as a natural state of being, as a default setting, rather than something that we're growing in that isn't already a blueprint. Mm-hmm. Something which is just, or something potentially that actually is negative, mm-hmm. which was the lens for most of my life mm-hmm. growing up in sort of evangelical Christianity. Mm-hmm. But changing from believing people are fundamentally bad to fundamentally good. Mm-hmm. So that then shifted my expectation. Now thinking the best of people begins to allow them the space and the room to become that best, especially mm. in a culture which celebrates the worst in people. Yeah. Um, and so that fundamental shift, I feel like, is the thing which I really want people to experience as it's changed my life dramatically, personally, as I believe the best about myself and began to manifest that best. 
um, but also how I've given other people space to do the same as I've loved my neighbor and myself. And um, every time I see myself putting boundaries, conditions, rules, I realize there's something negative I'm believing. And so I just look for what is that thing? Why am I, why am I trying not to do this thing? Or why am I telling myself to do this thing? Because I don't believe that that's what I really want to do. And then I can really be honest with myself and say, well, what's the truth? And, and that might mean um, the, the, fault, the, the lie gets brought to the surface and now I can see what it is because that's not truth at that time. Yeah. Or it can mean that um, I realize that the lie is, is just wrong um, in, in light of, of what I know is, is truly true because I didn't create myself. I, I didn't self-actualize. I, I work in this body with consciousness and realize there's something to discover. And then I co-create that discovery as we were talking about. It's a beautiful, beautiful conversation and a beautiful question, set of questions. Mm. There's an amazing study in the, in the 1920s, the Gestalt psychologist, and I studied Gestalt for quite a while through great <laughs> fortune. Um, but they would, they would use a tachistoscope, which is like a, um, like a projector, to put these random images of dots, completely random dots on a wall and they'd have these people watching and they said, what do you see? And people and people would say, oh, I can see, one would say a Dalmatian and the other would say, I see flowers, the other would say, I see these knives there. And then they they'd did some inquiries and these people, one of them was a knife maker, one of them was a florist, one had some Dalmatians. <laughs> okay. And so what they were seeing on these uh, random images was all governed by their previous perceptual experiences. Okay, but what's equally interesting in talking about boundaries is that, is that once they'd seen these slides, they could, they could then not be shown them for several months and then shown again many months later. And they'd say, oh no, no, those are the Dalmatians. They'd immediately see what they call the figure and they'd immediately see the same thing again. That's so they wouldn't, they wouldn't look past that yeah. mm. and there would be a boundary around that thing which would look like a Dalmatian for the person who handled Dalmatians. It wouldn't entertain in them that maybe there could be some flowers there or a dagger or a map of Africa. So they would go back to the same perception. We could call that prejudice mm. or otherwise conditioning. Yeah. And what's interesting yes. is, and it's the reason why congruence is so important, is that, is, is that somebody truly more congruent, more conscious would go like that girl actually, that little girl talking about Alita. Well, you know, you know, this actually is like a child molester, but I still feel drawn to this person because it's something tender and the love yeah. that he feels for her. And it's like looking at these things and just seeing all of these images mm. and being able to speak to any one of them and being able to see more and more, hey, but then there's this other thing and maybe it could be that. Creativity. And there's something very authentic about that being done properly. And if it is, yeah. it's the strum on the guitar, it's yes. the, the frisbee whistles. There's a certain quality that is just very present in it. Oh, man, this is something I really want to be able to do. Uh, I want to learn a whole lot more languages for sure, but uh, more than that, I want to be able to know what is truth beyond the language that I use and the words that I use. To be able to constantly understand someone's perspective and speak to them in their language with the same meaning so that 
I'm not held back by people's definitions and, and all that kind of stuff. To, to, to understand something so deeply that I could create any analogy at any time in someone's frame that gets across the meaning that I, that I would usually use a different analogy for. Um, and, and Jesus does this like so expertly, like just with all the different parables that were related to those people in their time that were so profound to them that they instantly got. Um, yeah. The metaphors often happen in the conversation and they're co-created. Yeah. And interestingly, the, the cutting edges of psychology at the moment are around what they call intersubjectivity, which is co-creation of understanding. So we're having a co-creating and it's interesting, we, we, we start dreaming together. There's a joint dream that happens here, that morphogenic field starts to dream. Because this is a very different conversation to a different bunch of people. If I was in a different, you know, yes. people would have, have a drink and beer and maybe some dacha. It would be a very different conversation. Even us tomorrow night, <laughs> I'm just saying if we were here, the, the kind of people we would be then. Indeed. Anyway, so, but the metaphors will come in and your ability to, to, to see what the metaphors are, even in your own image, you might, suddenly if this image comes to your mind, you can be sure it's in the field. It'll be, it'll be of relevance to the other person. And so a lot of the images that have been coming to me are unique to this group. There's no way it would mean anything to any other group. Um, so to, 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 be, to be, it's improvisation. That's what you do on a guitar. It's like literally, ah, oh, here's this thing. It's just turned to me right now. And it makes sense. And so you can make that metaphor. But the metaphor is almost divine. It'll come in. You, all you need to do is to, just to follow. We're radio receivers. And it's just our ability to tune into the signals that are... to be able to tune into the same vibration signal. To be able to, yes. to connect. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we're not... You know, we're not, we're not the... We're not the creator of the signal, we're the receiver. Mm -hmm. So, so it's just the ability to be open to that perception, the ability to, to shift and not be stuck on a certain channel mm. and not be able to, to shift ourselves. This has been a very nutritive conversation. I'm aware my son is going to be climbing, clambering over me at with big eyes saying, Dad, you promised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In about five hours. <laughs> 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 <laughs>